It's season two, bitches! Thank you so much for sticking with us as we got our shit together during season one. We can't wait to tell you about even more ridiculous horror movies. If you could just take a minute of your time to like, subscribe, and review us, we would really appreciate it. You can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and whatever Twitter is calling itself now for even more fun facts and sneak peeks. If you have movie suggestions, want to be on our show, or just want to send us hate mail, our email address is thehorrortalkpodcast at gmail.com. Don't send us nudes. Unless they're in a horror movie, then then you can send those nudes. But like, So grab a bucket of popcorn, relax, and get ready for some fucking weird-ass movies. I just want all of our listeners at home to know that I made some notes about what to say here, and Dakota changed the D in his name to a penis. And that is the level of content that you will be getting from us now and always. Big Dick Boy! <laughs> I've got an idea. Why don't we go dig him up? David, I'm going to need you to stop predicting the plot before it happens. Hello and welcome to the Horror Talk Podcast, the podcast where we show our guest a movie without giving them any information about it ahead of time. I'm your host, Dakota Jones, and as always, I'm here to guide you and our special guest through the bizarre and fantastic horror films you might have missed. Today's special guest is Pope of Fountain Square and feline expert, David Malloy. David, welcome. Why? Thanks, Dakota. So, uh... How how much do you know about like horror movies? Like where where's like your good comfort spot? Oh uh, well, I mean horror is not my primary genre, but I'm pretty aware, I think, of various movies in that sphere. You uh, when I was asking you what kind of genres you like and films you like, you mentioned Tombstone. Yeah, I will always watch Tombstone. You and my grandfather. It, <laughs> it didn't matter at what point in the movie it was. If it was on TV with commercials, stop yeah. everything. He'd watch it. I would do the same. If I'm flipping through and that's on, that's where I stop. So what about Westerns attracts you? Uh, I mean, it's not even all Westerns. I can't say I was a super John Wayne fan. I think, I, that's understandable. I think well, it's, True Grit's good, but that's yeah, funny. yeah. I kind of like kind of the more offbeat ones. Even like Eastwood's last couple were interesting outings, but I don't know. It's hard to categorize what I would say my favorite genre is because I like all the meats of our cultural stew. That's good. Uh, that's really good for today's episode because based on you saying you like Tombstone, I was like, okay, I'm going to try and pick something in that theme. There's not a ton of horror-esque movies that have kind of a Western feel. Right. Found, found the perfect one for you. <laughs> uh, so before we get started, first question that I want to ask you is... Do you think, and you can take this however you want and elaborate however you want, do you think houses take on the personality of its previous owners? Uh, Yeah, I think so. I think you can pick up a vibe depending on what's happened there. Okay, and have you ever moved into a house and noticed that something strange had happened in the house before moving in? Uh... Well, I have lived in a couple of old houses. The first one definitely had kind of a weird feel to it. I'm pretty sure it was haunted in some respect because there would be weird bangings and it sounded like people walking up and down the stairs at night. Um, Were you just going through like your house party phase and don't remember? (laughs) No, this would be, (laughs) let's see, how old would I be? I'd be just a kid and like between 8 and 12 probably. Okay. Um, 
So yeah, I noticed, in fact, my parents made a joke about the ghost George being the resident ghost in the house. I don't know where they came up with the name. Such a pleasant name, though. Yeah. It makes me seem like he might have been a ghost, but he also was really good at Roth IRAs. Yeah, he was probably like um, the local milkman or something. (laughs) So, second question, and hopefully... uh, The point of these two questions is always to give you kind of a vague, this is what we're about to get into for the movie. So the second question is, what is your solution for dinosaur and cowboy cohabilitation? Uh, Well, let's see. Well, we all know Jesus rode the dinosaurs. Yes. So I've been to that museum. (laughs) So I suppose... Some sort of riding of the dinosaurs, or roping of the dinosaurs, or corralling the dinosaurs would be probably something that we would expect to see. So you don't think uh, that if dinosaurs were allowed to live, that the dynamic would shift, and they would be oh. roping in and branding cowboys? No, 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 no. The, the, the cowboy would always have the upper hand. In fact, they would be called dino boys. That is a great name for a show that has not been made yet, but should. There's your fringe two years out. (laughs) So the movie that we are going to watch tonight that I really hope people listen to this episode because this film, no one talks about it. It's so (laughs) obscure and it's already in a obscure series. Are you familiar with the film called House yeah. with William Catt and George Wynn? Yeah. Do you know that there's three sequels? Uh, I was vaguely aware of that because I actually looked up this movie before. I haven't seen it, but I looked up a bit of background information and I saw that was the case, that the first one was well received. So they decided to do another one. Well, of course. And as as a younger artist, I always thought, man, how could you sell out like that? You're just selling your dreams away. But then as I've gotten older, I was like, hell, if someone wants to run my idea into the ground, if the if the pay's good, I'm there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's the Hollywood way. One of uh, one of my friends actually went to film school and he's actually working out in California uh, on like Survivor and things like that. And I was like, what's the biggest piece of advice like you've gotten while you've been doing film school? And he goes, Dakota, everyone wants to be a Kubrick or a Tarantino or a Scorsese. And no one wants to be a Michael Bay. But Michael Bay is where the money is. You know, there is definitely money there, I think. If you've got an interesting product, you don't necessarily have to have a big name. Just a good idea. Exactly. So, speaking of good ideas, the first film was big success. And like a lot of horror films back in the day, made for little to no money, Mm. always going to make a big profit. That's one of Roger Corman's core beliefs. Oh, yeah. So, this film, uh, the producer, Sean S. Cunningham, went to the writer of the first film and was like, we're going to make a second film would you be interested in doing it? He goes, I'll only do it if I can direct it. And Sean came back with, okay, I'll allow that if you can get me a script in two weeks. (laughs) So what we're about to watch is something that was written within two weeks, but for something that was written within two weeks, the, the special effects and the sets and just everything that went into this film is absolutely phenomenal. The plot, though, I'm good, good for them for being like, we're going to, like, they'll say some sort of plot, and then they're like, okay, moving on, don't focus on it too much, we're, keep, keep moving. (laughs) We're working a bit. Just to give you a heads up, the only other film that we did that scored as low as this movie was Troll 2, which (laughs) uh, we watched with Aaron Hens, and it's widely regarded as one of the worst films ever made. This one, though, has a 7%. Oh! Even though uh, it was made for a budget of about $3 million and brought in about $10 million. So, 
And sadly, uh, there's no William Cat and there's no George Went because they started doing a thing where each installment of the house series is it's a different house, it's a different story. So, oddly enough, though, this one does have uh, John Ratzenberger. <laughs> Good old Cliff. Oh, he is the best part. I think you're going to watch this and be like, I have to play him at some point. So, with all that in mind, uh, before we go in, I start giving you a bunch of details throughout the movie and at the end. Uh, are, are you excited? Are you ready for this? Well, I'm, I think I'm sufficiently steeled to be able to watch this fine classic from the 80s. Hell yeah. All right, let's get to it. <laughs> okay, so before the guests watch our movie, this is a point where I'm going to explain the summary to you. And look, I know it's not got like all the plot points in it. It's pretty simplified. I try and run through it as quick as possible. I strongly urge that you watch the movie beforehand because how, why, why the fuck are you listening to this if you haven't watched the movie yet? You want to see if you're interested in the movie? You, the next like 30 minutes is people making jokes about a movie you've never seen and why? Why would you want to do that to yourselves? Just watch the fucking movie. House 2, The Second Story, is a 1987 comedy-slash-adventure-slash-horror film produced by Sean S. Cunningham, written and directed by Ethan Wiley, and starring Ari Gross as Jesse, Jonathan Stark as Charlie, Royal Dano as Gramps, Dean Cleverdon as the villainous Slim, and many more character actors in small but memorable roles like Bill Maher, Kane Hodder, Devin DeVasquez, and Frank Welker. We start with a mother and father giving away their baby to another young couple before being killed by a mysterious gunslinger asking for the skull. And now we're in present day, 25 years later, with the baby having grown up to be Jesse, our main character, played by Gross. He's moving into his inherited house with his girlfriend and best friend Charlie, played by Stark. After learning more about his real family, he finds out his great-great-grandfather was a cowboy and adventurer back in the day who may have a crystal skull artifact buried with him. It's loose reasoning to dig up his grave, but as they do, they find out that Gramps, played by Dano, is alive and is in fact in possession of the crystal skull. Because the house was made with Aztec rocks or something or other, and with a crystal skull placed on the mantelpiece, the house becomes a doorway to other dimensions of space and time. Dimensions like a Jurassic jungle, an Aztec sacrificial altar, and the Wild West. However, beings from these dimensions can just as easily come into our world as we can into theirs. While picking up some new friends along the way, like an adorable caterpillar puppy, a baby pterodactyl, and a virgin sacrifice, the group ends up facing down Gramps' old zombie and crime, Slim Razor. The day is saved in a classic western shootout, Gramps finally passes over to the other side, and the gang decides to live out the rest of their days in the Wild West. House 2 is a loose sequel to the 1985 hit House, and it precedes two more additions to the House series. It's a movie that doesn't spend too much time on making sense, but has fun every step of the way. While not technically a horror film, it is in a series that is considered just that. But House 2 is too much fun and too underrated for us not to watch it. Marina, play the funny parts. And of course, speaking of Corman, Roger Corman did uh, New World Pictures. Something that I actually found out about him that blew my mind was he would sell all of his film properties to one company, 
buy a producing company, move all of his films over to there, build up more films, sell back, and he just kept making producing companies. Wow. Production companies. Well, that's where the money is. The lead actor of this, uh, please don't look it up if you're listening to this episode. Don't look it up. It could never be made today. It's called uh, Soul Man. <laughs> lead actor is the uh, supporting guy in that. And this also has Bill Maher? Of all things. This movie has like a lot of great people in like just very small roles. Bill. Well, he must be the taxi connection then, if he hadn't went in the first one. And of course, uh, Harry Manfredini did the score for all the original Friday the 13th movies. Oh, okay. Including the weird disco one for the third one. <laughs> you know what those kids love? They got disco fever. <laughs> uh, Harry, it's 1983. Disco fever. Disco never dies. Disco is not dead. I love disco. So it's there waiting for you to not notice. And then it strikes. Well, that's one way to get rid of a crime, baby. You know, you don't pay your taxes. You pass them off. Here you go. Yeah, just put the kid in the trunk. <laughs> Finally, no more crying. I'm so happy. The mom's obviously sad, but the dad's like, oh, three weekends? <laughs> that car's got wings for weeks. Yep, it's probably teenagers in the house. Get shotgun. <laughs> and loaded. Also, I'm always fascinated when I see just normal, a normal couple and see the kind of house they have. And you're always like, the hell do you do for work? I know. And this is in the 50s, so... This guy probably worked at the local Sinclair. <laughs> you know, Darlene, you keep making fun of me, but you watch it. Six months time, I'm going to be in. I'm going to be floor manager of that <laughs> Chevron plant. Yeah, and there's a stuffed horse. Let me see: horse, gun, deer. Okay, it's all accounted for. We're getting their Western fix already. He wants to talk to you about your extended car warranty. <laughs> It is. You were drinking out of it last night at the party. It's not here. The 160 fastest gun <laughs> in the West. <laughs> what are ghosts doing being able to operate a firearm? Well, you know, he just hung out with that, uh, that guy in the subway from Ghost <laughs> and learned how to touch things. So, the actor is a completely different person, but the person voicing... Uh, Slim, who's uh, that cowboy there, is Frank Welker. How about that? Wow. Which I tried looking up his IMDb, and I was like, he has over 890 credits. Wow. And I'm like, yeah, you're getting royalties for life on that. That's pretty impressive. Uh, and fun fact, he was the original Freddy in the original Scooby-Doo, but now that he's gotten older, he does all the Scooby-Doo for like all the <laughs> new movies. That's fantastic. See, once you get your name out there as Scooby Doo. Well, yeah, look no at limit on you. Look at Casey Kasem. He could be in here. Why not? Sure, throw throw Casey Kasem, and then <laughs> featuring this week the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> now a long distance dedication to a bunch of dead guys looking for a crystal skull. I don't know how it's so dim in there with that big ass pane of glass. Yeah, there's really not much color. This sequel, The Shining, sucks. <laughs> that looks like that would hold a skull. Look, there's a note. Place skull here. <laughs> Something's missing. Yeah. This is important. This means something. Make a note of this. Uh-oh. Lights don't work. Great. I thought the electricity was supposed to be on. I would not complain. Do you see how big that house is? Yeah, look at all the books. Oh, man. They've got Garfield at large. 
Oh, they've got them all. <laughs> it's a pit. Ooh. That's an insult. But what have we here? Great. Do not touch Willie. Huh, good advice. <laughs> Turn that thermostat up. I think the young people should really start wearing nightgowns like they have in the 1800s because say what you will, that guy ate kids all <laughs> it, all the time. It must have been doing something. Well, you know, the sight of bare ankles was quite a turn on. Morphosilus. <laughs> Just something scratching in the cabinet. Is it a skull? God damn it, Monty. I knew I should have picked what was in the box. Oh, well, it was kind of a skull. It was a crack on the skull. Bonunch. Luckily, it's a Victorian ice bag full of Victorian ice. The secret's pure cocaine. Whoop. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to note out that with this beautiful, grandiose house, that potted plant was held up with just two cinder blocks. I know. That was, <laughs> they obviously had to cut corners somewhere, and it was... They, they just blew the money on the inside, but the outside, they're like, eh. Cinder blocks for everyone. Well, the same could be said for almost any magazine now. <laughs> Oh, boy, boy, joke. Before re-watching this, I made that joke a few months ago. I subscribed to uh, Fingory Magazine, still yeah. comes out. And uh, they're like, what are you reading that for? And I was like, oh, just the articles. <laughs> I didn't know that was still a thing. Yeah, they uh, they stopped doing it like they could back in the day where they just like nonstop produce them out. Yeah. But now they do them... Uh, I think it's every two two months. Okay. My God, that thing was going when I was a kid. And they're actually like really great quality, and a good majority of them uh, does amazing articles. Like one of them was uh, disco and its influence on horror films. Yeah, right on. And then broke down like how Italian horror was like inspired by disco, and they went and had different interviews with composers. It's weird to think that Fangoria is the most intellectual magazine out right now. That's fantastic. <laughs> oh no, we don't believe in success. Yeah, poor pants. <laughs> Are they in the indie arts community? <laughs> Too bad that mining board didn't fall out and hit him. Charlie's, in fact, the most annoying character for me in this movie. I like it when you have a, a side character who can be funny, but I hate when they make a side character try to be funny. Right. He just ends up being annoying, and you're hoping he's the one that gets it. Hey, man, can't help but notice you're still in my house. Give me that skull. He's like, I'm working in the groundlings right now. I don't laugh. <laughs> Fun fact, he actually was. <laughs> he got it at his tourist trap. That's actually a episode that we uh, we just recorded. Tourist trap with Chuck Connors. Oh, yeah. With Chuck Connors. That's what I kept saying. And, uh, the, the rifleman? I kept saying that the whole episode. And they were like, you keep saying that. And I was like, he's so influential. Come on, people. He was oh. also in uh, Soylent Green, the first movie to predict global warming. He also, fun fact, true fact, uh, when he was in the NBA, he was the first person to ever shatter a backboard by dunking. That man's got some history. I fucking love Chuck Connors. Apparently the original skull held tequila. I've got an idea. Why don't we go dig him up? That when the Aztecs buried their dead, the David, I'm going to need you stop predicting the plot before it happens. <laughs> that, that actually happens. I, I even wrote it into the summary. They're like, where is he buried? In the cemetery. And they're like, well, let's go get him. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> He's got a shovel? Like this made what? Why? Why? Oh, here we go. That's why I didn't feel bad saying it because I was like, "Oh, it's coming up." Holy hell! He lived to be hundred and sixteen, or hundred and six. Born in eighteen ten. Born, died in nineteen sixteen. Man, they buried him deep too. 
Let's see, down like 20 feet. How good you good you go? Yeah, down in this hole. No, not that hole. Boy, that's an awfully clean casket. Hey, should we just bring it up? No, no, no. Let's dust it off, then bring it up. We're going to do it. Do it right. Well, that's right. Clean it up. You know, something that always bugs me about grave robbers every single time. They're like, well, we got a shovel and a pickaxe. And I'm like, did you bring rope? They never do. They never do. They but somehow always get the casket up. They always... Oh, oh. And the funk of 40,000 years is coming out. <gasps> the skull? Normally when people are digging up graves, they're looking for a different kind of rock. Oh, great granddad. That's me. Don't mind that I'm robbing your grave. <laughs> Be careful not to choke on your aspirations. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to pick up in the audio. It's <laughs> <laughs> ah. okay, Granddad. The gun laws are still very permissive. Really? Well, yeah, Brady hasn't been shot yet, so you can get a gun like that. You like that, kids? You like that Brady reference? <laughs> Whoa. This guy's got the fine hair of a Pomeranian. Obviously, being buried for a hundred years is just fabulous for the hair. I mean, look, his face looks more moisturized than most people. I know. His situation is definitely moisturized. He prefers to do the uh, QAnon method. He just bathes in the blood of children underneath the dominoes. <laughs> you want to say, say it out loud, and then see if you still think that's a thing. You do? Okay. <laughs> Take a minute. Think about what you're thinking. Yeah. Where have you been, honey? Oh, just out raising the dead. Nothing serious. Hey, here's a crazy idea. Let's let Gramps drive. I... God, always love some bluegrass music. It's like chase music. They probably put it in the cassette player. Yeah! <laughs> Good thing they got that uh, thing bumped out of the way early. Whoop. Well, she goes up to a bar. There's whores in them bars. Whores, I tell you. Look <laughs> 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 how much alcohol a zombie can hold. I imagine it just goes right through the stomach. And that's what I'm thinking. It's like going to be pouring out somewhere, like in the cartoons. Well, do you think when he comes, it's like dust? It has the... <laughs> I would certainly think that was the case, but maybe the more he drinks, it's like a little fountain. And like any movie that has a time traveler in the 80s, get, get ready for the obligatory Ronald Reagan is an actor reference. Yeah. And now we get to the montage where the old man's just talking about nothing for forever. I tied an onion to my belt, which was a style at the time. <laughs> I know they're listening for something, but I just like him just after all that monologue. Shh. What was that? Any kind of excuse to get away from Gramps and his stories. I'm sorry, I he planned a Halloween party, and that was his outfit? Because you know if you planned it, he probably had something on stock, but what is that? That's just showing no effort at all. It looks like the Anderson High School mascot. <laughs> Shots fired for those of you who were in Madison County. <laughs> Meanwhile, oh, the skull's turned on. That's better, now we can see what death is coming. Get back in your bottle. That guy right there, Kane Hodder, ladies and gentlemen. Ooh. Uh, 
He is the stunt coordinator for this film. And he is also the person most people recognize as Jason Voorhees. He played him the most in the Friday the 13th movies. Oh, really? However, he did happen to play him in the three worst Friday the 13th movies. Maybe he doesn't want us to know that. Oh, no, he he loves it. And the fans uh, recognize him as their Jason, just like... Lots of people recognize plenty of different people as Michael Myers. My Michael Myers is always going to be Dick Warlock. How are you going to lose with that name? That's... I found... Uh, the first time uh, I was having my first Halloween marathon, I always watched the credits at the end. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa! And I grabbed the remote. And I looked and I was like, stunt coordinator Dick Warlock? Hot damn, that's a great name! <laughs> that is a great name. And then to find out that he, like did a bunch of stunts and action movies and I'm like that he him and Evil Knievel two coolest men I know gets a contractor takes out flashlight oh see yeah that's your problem right here you got prehistoric jungle just all over so you know I could probably get the leaves removed and start getting you know the walls uh you know not so damp and, and moist uh, that's it that's, I can get my guys that's gonna be a job it's not gonna come cheap Oh boy, you're looking at at least two crystal skulls. Now I can be there. Uh, I wouldn't even be able to like do it until uh, Wednesday. Wednesday, Thursday taps. Half, half a skull to start, and then the delivery of the skulls after the work's done. You know, for Rager going down just a floor below. Things seem pretty calm. Yeah, it's pretty quiet up there. Really good sound pushing. This is your speed, a Derringer. The only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a bad comic relief with a gun. <laughs> the NRA's like, I agree, but, but not, well, damn it. Give him a bigger piece. There you go. That's the American link. Come and firing blindly. If you need them and you can find them, you <laughs> might call on assistance of the C Squad. The the gun. The gun. The gun. Oh light? Why would he pull out the knife when he's got the fucking Uzi? Where is the Uzi? Hey, don't forget that skull. Now he's even stop motion uh, climbing that giant beanstalk. Yeah, so this is what I was talking about before we started. I'm like, this movie, I mean, it's all over the place, but... Damn it, these effects, they're pretty alright for yeah. 86. That ain't bad. Yeah, these are uh, Star Wars Ewok-worthy uh, animations. Like the Ewok spinoff movies? Yeah. Everybody loves a crystal skull, even dragons. Didn't you use the <laughs> <laughs> Since they got the an old western type of character, they wanted to get an old western actor, so they actually got a. His name's Royal Dano, and his IMDb list is filled with old old westerns. Oh, really? He's not any relation to Paul Dano, is he? I don't think so. No. Uh, have you seen Killer Clowns from Outer Space? No. Oh. <laughs> I think He's I should, in that, oh too. Oh, my God. The caterpillar puppy. <laughs> Charlie. I love that caterpillar puppy. That's adorable. Oh, my God. So, when they were marketing for this movie and 
you know, back in the day, they used to do big promotional stunts when a movie was coming out. So they sent a bunch of mini tiny collectible action figures of that caterpillar puppy for people to give out to kids when they went to go see the movie. Sweet. Don't forget the beer. Wouldn't you like to have a hold of one of those? Oh, now the comic chase scene. Ha ah, ah, ha, not the teeth. Don't you scratch that skull. That's no way to get ahead. <laughs> it's rather a well-made little thing, really. The eyes move. So once we finish up, I'll actually give some more information about the special effects and the puppetry and all that. And uh, it's, it's a great example of why when you make a friend, always support your friends. Because that <laughs> friend might end up doing something. <laughs> I like to think that some studio executive is watching this. And That's not the craziest thing. We saw this really cool bird. I understand that there was a switcheroo that happened in the closet. Perfect time to open up the cabinet and be like, pterodactyl, <laughs> deny that. Yeah. What do you say about this? <laughs> Pick it up and run out and be like, it's a prehistoric bird with a crystal skull that I previously mentioned. Tell them, my pretty. So, you can't really tell. Fun fact for this scene, uh, because contacts were not what they are now. Back in the day, they hurt like hell. So, she actually wore contacts for the film and scratched her cornea. So, during that scene, when she's walking out, you'll notice how she's not really looking. That's because she's blind at this point and is just going through the motions. Whoa. That's suffering for your art. He's like, Grandpa, when you made this house, why did you make that? And he goes, oh, for fun. Doesn't everybody want one of these? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. If I had unlimited funds, uh, everyone's like, well, you know, if I got a shit ton of money, I'd buy a house. And I'm like, why well, buy a house with the stipulation that I get like a bookcase that opens up? A revolving door closet. I mean, because why wouldn't you, really? It's fantastic. When I need to suit up in spandex with my young ward, there's only one thing I'm going to need. <laughs> well, baby powder, but also a revolving bookcase. <laughs> Trade your meat for the skull. The other interesting thing is this house has been vacant for 70 years, but there's still fresh meat hanging around. Yeah, we never got a shopping montage. No. I don't have any more space. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it doesn't. Yeah, no, weird shit only happens when the skull gets placed there. You'd think they'd learn. Yeah, because, you know, they uh, they don't let plot get in the way of the story. Because once he put the skull up there in the beginning, he's like, by the way, the, the transdimensional doorways and, and space-time. Why, it's just like Raiders of the Lost Ark and Crystal Skull. Uh, the Horror Talk podcast brought to you by Fuck the Fourth and Fifth Indiana Jones movie. It had a perfect ending in the third one. Perfect ending. You bet you're a bippy. Oh. Well, if he scared him, I guess you're probably not even worried about these Aztec guys kicking the shit out of you. Yeah, this is why I really don't get into old Doctor Who episodes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they also... It's a one-sentence mention, and they never talk about it again. But the reason that the skull also amplifies things, if you notice the architecture, he's like, by the way, the house was built with Aztec stones. 
And I'm like, how much fucking money did you rob at the stagecoach? And that house went to star in Ghostbusters 1. There's my favorite line. He's my favorite character. Uh, and the fact that there are two more movies made with this series and he is not a character in them is a big crime. It's a crime against humanity. He's perfect. It's it's funny. I tried pitching his... I, oh my God, it just came to me. There's a pitch I do where, you know how there's always a repairman where he's like, ah, oh, that's your problem right there. But I want someone who does it for horror movies where, uh, you know, he goes into like any horror movie of like Evil Dead and he goes, ah, see, that's your problem right there. You got Kandarian demons possessing souls. That's your problem. See, this guy's the prototype. But I went to do a friend show where that's all he did. It's another great idea. It is. I, I got tried ideas for weeks. Now, if only I could crap them into a full thing. No, but The Last Disco Cowboy, 100% is what we're going for. And I'm trying to talk her into it. I don't know what I'm going to need to do. Probably get a script together, but I truly do want Paige Scott to be an old timey tycoon. Oh, that'd be fabulous. Paige would be brilliant. Then it just so happens we got sword play. Charlie, do you want a sword fight? No, 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 no. Real swords. Come on. Be fun. And that's a perfect opportunity for entrepreneur. Ah, so how long have you been unemployed? <laughs> Man, every word out of his mouth is gold. Yeah, he best part of the movie. Mushy, mushy, mushy peas, mushy carrots. Non-English uh, chanting. Time. Okay, what was it? It was dignity. <laughs> Do I have to show the cat? Because the cat's going to get it. So, Crystal Skull's placed right there above the sacrificial altar. And actually, during production, it slipped and it slammed into her head. Concussion. Oh, sure. Well, it looks like it's heavy. That rope jump right there, again, came hotter doing the stunts. However, he goes, you guys should get more padding. And they're like, yeah, 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 we'll get on it. He goes, okay, sure thing. So when he did that rope swing, he actually went off track and then dropped 20 feet on his back. Oh, shit. You need someone to fight some Aztecs but also do some rewrites? Those are you guys. Oh! Hey, they found that uh, original Wilhelm scream. Did you see that? Yes. Ah! You know, you'd think you'd fix that so you didn't have like dragon's teeth you had to crawl through to get out of the thing. You notice when he slapped him on the back, the dust came off him? That's continuity, kids, yeah. and it matters. They paid attention to the detail, and it shows. It was a pleasure to meet you. Ah, the tried and true American way of speaking a foreign language. Louder and slower. That was Bill goddamn Tanner. <laughs> so the virgin sacrifice there, uh, her name is Devin DeVasquez. But uh, she was the Playmate of the Month uh, about three times. And her first time that she did it was while she was filming. So she would go to people on set and was like, what do you think? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> and oddly enough, she's in a, another horror movie that came out in 89 that we did on the podcast called Society. And famously was like, I'm not getting nude. The Horror Talk podcast would like to say that we are not slut-shaming in any single way, and any and all sex work is valid work. Absolutely. You know who 
this guy reminds me of? Do you ever see Preacher, the series? He's the saint of all killers. I've seen some of Preacher. Yeah. Uh, I mostly read a bit of Preacher, but got more interested into uh, Garth Brooks' other thing, which was The Boys. He'd done both. Okay. But I do know about uh, our space. Yeah. Oh, yeah, our space. And Hitler, who worked at a 7 Eleven. He's like, go ahead, take her. She was going to get fucking sacrificed for her crops this summer anyways. <laughs> Look, and he's like, I'll do it. I'll shoot her. Go ahead. You don't think I want corn in the summer? <laughs> you think it just grows out there? No, blood. The Aztecs were right. Oh, I'm dying again. The Horror Talk podcast is here to remind you kids that practical effects, no matter how small, are always better than special effects. Absolutely. Now, I've said many a time, if you can blend CGI where your eye isn't like, that's fake, then good on you. I think a lot of good movies, you need a blend of both in today's day and age to make it work, but... I was watching Django Unchained a few weeks ago, and all the blood is all practical effects. And I'm like, looks so good. So much better. You can tell. It's cheaper, too. You can tell. Better hurry up and kill him. He's got to go start uh, Motorhead. Oh, there we go. Speaking of Chuck Connors. The Rifleman. Will not be seen tonight. So we may bring you this live broadcast of Crystal Skull. You know, much like The Simpsons, this uh, this is doing some great predictions of the future. Uh, all of the future is just going to be populated with sweaty white men scared with guns. <laughs> Meanwhile, it was revealed that the Titanic sank. What? I know. When? When did this happen? It was all behind the mirror. Uh-oh. Now, here come the police. Right across the lawn. We just got... Oh, there goes that. Those cinder blocks. They again. just got those back up. And they're also like, huh, they're Clarence's kid? And I'm like, you, were you aware what happened 25 years ago? Finders keepers, nah, 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 nah. I had it hidden in my guts. Just like the fifth element. Ah, oh, there's the other tie-in. Nice. He just said, hold your fire, and that guy's like, squeeze this harder. <laughs> And his love turned him into a real grandpa. And some people say that his decrepit heart grew three sizes that day. <laughs> oh, he's he's fucked now. Now you've done it. Now for some indiscriminate firing. Whoa! Are you seeing that when they're shooting through the old dusty house that there's like smoke rings? Yeah. God damn, this movie's got, like, great attention to detail for, like, a throwaway movie. Continuity here is just fabulous. It's off the charts. It's not off the charts. You lost the charts. <laughs> hey, there's our buddy. Now he's a puppet. You know, this movie is a direct reason to show you why you shouldn't carry around... The family members that are bringing you down. They're just dead weight. You gotta let that bodies hit the floor. You gotta know when to hold them. Know when to put them back in the grave. With a crystal skull and a big old burn. Oh, there you go. That's the way to bury them. 
Don't dig a hole. Throw a bunch of rocks on them. Are they trying to say that Grandpa's stoned? Where are those buttons for? Those buttons are unnecessary. Get out of here. Ah, uh, they've gone back in time, apparently. Yeah, they, uh, so we grabbed the skull and decided just to go into the Wild West portal. Because, I mean, you kind of have to, because who are the cops going to think shot them? Right. The reanimated corpse of an old West gunslinger or the guy who owns the house with the guns. <laughs> guy from Hee Haw comes in. <laughs> and here's Roy. <laughs> the sun never sets for those who ride into it. And here come the credits. Aw, synth mixed with some bluegrass? Now you got me. Lar Park Lincoln. I wonder if he was an inspiration for Lincoln Park, the band. That had to have been. I can't see any other way around it. Alright, so we talked about the movie a little bit beforehand. We made fun of the movie. I gave you a summary. And now we're going to talk about the movie. This really isn't me giving my review. It's all about the special guests giving their review. I'm going to fill you in with some behind-the-scenes features and some fun facts I found out. But you know what? Let me be clear. Not all these movies have fun facts, okay? There is nothing to find on them. Sometimes doing this research is fucking hard, okay? Not everything has a backstory. It isn't well-documented like 1978's Halloween or John Carpenter's The Thing. Ah, oh, fuck. Well, I'm fucking rambling. Okay, so the point is, is I'm trying to give as much facts as I possibly can. Sometimes there isn't a lot. We're just going to talk about the movie, okay? It's the discussion part. Who hurt you? All right, so as you could clearly see out of every episode on the Horror Talk podcast this season, this is the, it's kind of labeled as a horror movie, and I feel like I'm cheating because it's not a 100% a horror movie, but I'm going to say it counts because it's a part of a series that is horror-related, and it's got, uh, it's got some zombies. It's horror-like. It's like one of those movies that they made in the 80s that's like Return to Oz or The Dark Crystal, where, sure, kids could watch it, but it's not like dumbed down for kids. Yeah, that's right. But I appreciate those movies way more than most. I love when movies are like, ah, it's for kids, but like we're going to treat them like they can understand general concepts. How refreshing, really. With that being said, have gut reaction. How'd you like House 2? That's enjoyable, really. I mean, it's it kind of delivers what it promises, and that ain't much. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the great thing about like B-horror movies. You can always go in with the lowest of expectations, and you'll never be disappointed, because it can only go up from here. Well, that's right. I mean, of course there was no plot, but you had Bill, the electrician and adventurer, so... Greatest part of the movie. I think... Just that alone is worth watching for. This movie was solely on the success of the first movie. And Sean S. Cunningham, uh, who is a very big producer for like horror films, the first film that he produced that was kind of a major success was the original Last House on the Left oh, that okay. Wes Craven did. Yeah, yeah. But he's also credited as the person who created the Friday the 13th franchise. Ah, okay. He put the first movie together, and then he stepped back from it, and then he got involved in the Kane Hodder movies. Good Lord. I Sometimes, I think, in the creative world and process, you need to take a step back and realize, I've created something. Other people are doing things with it. Maybe I shouldn't go back to it. Sometimes it's nice and refreshing, but most of the time... Right. You're not, you're trying to reinvent the wheel, but you're doing the same thing. It's an obvious rehash. So he did this, and because they didn't know that the film was going to be a success, and when it was, they wanted to do a sequel, obviously, but with his producing genius, he goes, well, if those actors want to come back for a sequel, they're going to want more money. And we don't got that. Therefore. So let's just cast new people. It's a new story. It's a new house. 
and it works. I think a lot of film series would be better if they were just kind of their own entity, but within their, within their own thing. Like mm-hmm. what they originally wanted to do with Halloween was the first one's Michael Myers. And then every single other Halloween installment, they wanted to do something different, but it still occurred on Halloween, which is how we got Halloween 3, Season okay. Witch. Sadly, it didn't work out. But this this series is living proof that if you stick to your guns and you and you actually try and work it out, you could totally do it. It works. So in the other ones, did they continue on with the uh, Cheers tie-in and have like Rio Perlman no. as like some kind of sewer-dwelling creature? You, it's so funny you mentioned that because uh, I was watching behind-the-scenes videos for this and people reviewing the movie and talking about some more behind the scenes information. And they mentioned that, you know, John Ratzenberger's in this and uh, George Wentz in the first one. They're like, really missed out not getting real, uh, real Perlman in the third one. So I'm, that's great. You mentioned that. Ah. So first off, what was your favorite part of the movie and why? Oh, well, I think we're all in agreement there. Without Bill, Bill comes right at the right time just to boost you right back up to take you to the close. I can't disagree. I would also argue that Bill Tanner is the best part of the movie. And you're right about the placement because you've got the first kind of beat. They're introducing the story. And then we've got our first little interaction. And then, like most movies, you hit that mid-movie lull. And they filled that mid-movie lull to where it didn't feel like a lull. It got right back into it. He was just what we needed. What do you like about him as a character? Or what would you like to see characteristics of this person used in more films? The absolute deadpan delivery. People don't seem to understand that if you do deadpan right, it is oh. a huge, it's, huge tool in your arsenal. beautiful. Uh, take, for example, Leslie Nielsen, uh, All the Naked Guns. Exactly. Exactly the case in point. Brian Cranston, uh, who did things like Malcolm in the Middle and Breaking Bad, right. uh, was doing an interview, and he said... The best thing that you can do as a comedic actor is to always take it seriously. Yeah. He said that if you, as a character, laugh or enjoy in a funny moment, you're taking away that opportunity for the audience to do that. That's true. That's a valid point. So there there could be a lot of a lot of things you could say for this, but what would you say is the worst part about the movie? I mean the the Halloween party didn't, it didn't add, add much. much to it. Whole thread was kind of rudderless. Just kind of a saying something in a movie that's basically rudderless. I mean, everything else had its merits. Um, I think they really missed the boat by not having more Bill in it. I agree. I think we agree on both points so far. I think that while you want to make a story seem more well-rounded or thought out, fleshed out, have characters and motivations and things like that, you need to understand when those things need to take a back seat in order for the story or whatever is working to continue to grow. And I feel like adding in the Halloween party really doesn't add much or adding in that his girlfriend for that brief hot second early in the film was in music and that Bill Maher was a music producer and that Charlie's girlfriend was a up and coming singer. Like none of that adds to it. That's not what we're focused on. It's not even a real good B plot. And that's the things that I think a lot of, uh, I see it more in, television shows where you've got your main story and the only way that that also works is that you're equally as engaged with the B plot. Right. And that, that was not the case at all. I mean, if they weren't in it, you wouldn't have missed them. Yeah. I think you could cut them out of the movie completely. You'd still have the same movie. Yeah. And I wouldn't even say that it would make the film any shorter because it's already about an hour and 25 minutes. It's, pretty lean mean and they get to the point pretty quick i said earlier that i would talk about how when you're friends with somebody especially when 
creatives or friends with creative people. It's always good to help out when you do things. Uh, Jason Adams was on the podcast and he asked if I would help do like one of the storytelling shows. And I said, sure. And it's a, it's a great way to market. And it's also a great way to help out your friends. So the man who did the special effects for the movie, his name is Chris. uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Uh, Wallace or Wallace. It's spelled W A L A S. But he was really good friends with writer and director Ethan Wiley. Uh, they've just been friends. Didn't actually do a ton of movies together, and except for this one, really. Chris was the person who did the original Gremlins oh, in okay. the original Gremlins movie, but something happened right before this movie was beginning production that boosted Chris up in demand. Chris is the person who did all the special effects design and creature effects for Cronenberg's The Fly. Oh, wow. So he had just done that. He's got quite a pedigree then. Yeah, and so he was in very high demand, and Ethan came to him. And Ethan, like I said at the beginning, he wrote the first one, but this film was his directorial debut. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Yeah. Not, yeah. not bad. It's okay. But Ethan went to Chris and asked him if he would do this as a favor because it's his first movie. They don't have a lot of money. Yeah. And he would appreciate the favor. So Chris said, sure, even though he was in high demand at that point. And I think that only helps the film because the stop motion effects, the creature effects, the puppets, oh, yeah, the they makeup. Were, they were top notch. They were fantastic, especially for a movie that's just like a blip in the map of horror movie sequels. Right. I mean, they were clearly standout features of the movie. Oh, 100%. Now, I don't know if you remember them, but you had the two favorite quotes. But if you had to pick one, what would you say is your favorite quote of the movie? No, probably the one about seeing uh, horror and death enough to make you want to chuck in your shorts. That's not bad. I know you liked that one. I know you liked uh, where he hits the light bulb and says... That was a uh, good one. Uh, must be foreign made. made. And then the one about, eh, it looks like you got some kind of interdimensional uh, process going on in there or something. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about that. It didn't look expensive. <laughs> Any of Bill's lines are just fantastic. Oh, yeah. uh, that and... Oh. Uh, Oh, uh, don't you kids worry. I got my kids Little League tonight. <laughs> I would say my favorite is probably after the girlfriend storms out and Bill Mars smugly walking out and they open the cabinet and he goes, look, it's a prehistoric bird. <laughs> That's, and, and it, you know what? At that point, it just didn't matter anymore. It was pretty clear. I know that you really don't watch a lot of horror movies. You're probably very well aware of the very popular ones, Exorcist, Omen, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But for this movie in particular, would you recommend this movie and why? Yeah, I'd recommend it. It's just a, uh, I call it a fun bit of fluff. And we get back to the perfect placement of Bill, just when you start to... uh, kind of lose the thread, he pops up and delivers the goods, and then you're ready to follow through and see it to the end. I would say anybody that likes quirky movies or offbeat movies or independent movies, they would enjoy it. In fact, you could kind of make it like Bad Movie Party. Yeah, I did that every week here at the Horror Talk <laughs> Podcast. When you, re- when you would recommend this film... Would you pitch it as, if you had to put into one category, would you pitch it as a comedy, a adventure, or a horror film? I would pitch it more as a comedy with horror overtones. Okay. I 100% can see that. I would pitch this film the same way I would pitch Army of Darkness. Okay. Where it's a comedy. Right. There's quote-unquote horror in it, but it's also... Uh, very grandiose and adventurous. Yeah. So that's fantastic. I'm so glad you liked this movie. Yeah, it was fun. As soon as you said you liked Tombstone, I was thinking, I was like, okay, what movies do I know that have like Western elements in them? They're also horror. And it was between this 
Uh, from Dust Till Dawn. Oh, another classic. And the other one would have been, even though it's not really cowboy-esque, I feel like it's got a Western sort of gritty uh, theme to it. I would say John Carpenter's Vampires. Okay. With James Woods. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know if you know, uh, can you think of any other kind of like horror movie that fits into a Western like a thing? Western genre. Uh, There's not many, right? Well, I mean, it's not technically horror, but I guess it does have some horror um, asides would be Cowboys and Aliens. Oh, that's a horror movie right there. Yeah. I've seen the acting. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, last thing that we do on the podcast that I've asked everybody, but I'd like to hear your pitch. If you were to give a tagline for the end of the into the podcast, not just for this episode, every episode, what would your tagline be? I think I would say, just because you're dead, it's no reason you can't have hair like a finely coiffed Pomeranian. Hold on while I write that. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the longest one someone's pitched. <laughs> just because you're dead doesn't mean you can't, yeah, you can't have hair like a finely coiffed. That's what I damn you. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, for the Horror Talk podcast, I'm your host, Dakota Jones. And I'm David Malloy. Just because you're... (laughs) I can't even say it. Okay. Just because you're dead doesn't mean you can't have hair like a finely quaffed Pomeranian. How about that? Jesus Christ, David. (laughs) Oh, all right. And that's a wrap. Crystal Skull!